Welcome to the Trends Podcast. I am Rosana Longo. Today, we dive into the topic of gun violence, which Biden has called an epidemic in America. On March 22nd, the shooting in our Boulder community raised many issues about gun control, mental health, the school-to-prison pipeline, and how communities of color are the most affected when it comes to gun violence. Gun violence has also raised concerns about increases in policing, especially in communities of color, and an escalating number of deaths across the country due to guns. This monthly series explores the changes happening throughout Boulder County through the experiences of community members, especially those on the margins. We aim to shed light on community challenges, solutions, and pathways forward for the county and the country. According to the CDC web-based injury statistics query and reporting system, also known as WISCARS, Homicide with a firearm is the leading cause of death for youth age 10 to 24 in the U.S. In 2019, 7,455 youth age 10 to 24 died from intentional firearm injuries, including 4,483 homicides and 2,972 suicides. This represents the highest fire mortality rate for this age group since the early 1990s. Males of color suffer a disproportionate number of firearm homicides. From 2015 to 2019, males died from firearm homicide at a rate of 12 per 100,000, which was nine times higher than females. Black youth died from firearm homicide at a rate of 28 per 100,000, which was 10 times higher than white youth. Additionally, in 2019, 4% of high school students in the U.S., including 7% of males and 2% of females, reported carrying a gun in the last year, not for hunting or sport. That's according to the CDC YRBS 2019. And 4% of 12 to 18 year olds reported having access to a loaded gun without adult permission. That was Sabrina Arredondo Matson, PhD and Senior Research Associate at the Center for the Study and Prevention of Violence of the Institute of Behavioral Science at CU Boulder, where she has been conducting research about gun violence in youth since 1995. I've been at the Center for the Study and Prevention of Violence at CU Boulder since 1995, minus three years where I worked at National Research Center from 2003 to 2006. I started working on research on risk and protective factors for youth violence and evidence-based programs, strategies, and practices to reduce violence. Then I started working on youth gun violence prevention and suicide prevention that was funded by the Colorado Trust. At the time, nothing worked to prevent youth gun violence or suicide among youth. And due to the Dickey Amendment in 1996, research on gun violence has lagged behind violence research in general. For example, we've had several 
lists of evidence-based approaches to reduce youth violence, and only a small number of evidence-based approaches to prevent or reduce youth gun violence. And while the DECU amendment has not gone away, in 2018, a report accompanying this spending bill clarifies that the amendment does not prohibit federal funding of research on the causes of gun violence. So more recently, I've been funded on a variety of gun violence prevention projects, including reducing youth access to firearms in the healthcare community. I've also been funded to focus on quality improvement of an evaluation of the Colorado Threat Assessment and Management Protocol funded by the National Institute of Justice and an evaluation of the Gunshot Project funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Most of my work, though, has focused on reducing youth violence in schools and communities using a comprehensive approach. And I think that the findings that are most important for listeners to know at this time are really that Violence and gun violence is preventable. There are evidence-based programs, practices, and strategies that can be implemented in schools and communities that can prevent and reduce violence in general, and to some extent, gun violence. And we need to engage the whole community to address the risk factors for gun violence through bystander reporting, anonymous tip lines, firearm safe storage practices, and evidence-based prevention and intervention programs. We also need to adopt threat assessment and management protocols to interrupt the pathway to violence. We need to activate early warning signs and intervention strategies that can prevent youth ages 10 to 24 from engaging in gun violence and other problem behaviors. According to Arredondo Matson, there are particular challenges in addressing youth young violence in communities of color because of structural issues that create inequalities among different groups. The biggest problem is that the problems of youth violence and firearm violence are magnified in high burden communities of color. There are ideologies, institutions, and policies that foster structural violence and create unequal power that perpetuate social and political and economic conditions that harm some groups and privilege others. Concentrated poverty, structural racism, limited services, over-policing of low-income Black neighborhoods. These challenges make it difficult for communities to provide the protective factors that are needed to promote healthy youth development and reduce risk factors that undermine healthy youth development. So I think that addressing the structural violence is the greatest challenge to addressing youth gun violence in communities of color. It's a huge challenge to address unequal power, life chances, concentrated poverty, structural racism, limited services, and over-policing in communities of color. I think it's great to fund preventing youth violence involving a gun in communities of color more than other communities. As I noted before, this is because Black youth are disproportionately affected by homicide with a firearm. We need to have youth of color and adults of color at the table when addressing these social issues. This might help to begin to address the structural violence that's going on in those neighborhoods and communities of color. Arredondo Matson has experienced gun violence firsthand, and yet her perspective is not exactly what one would expect from a gun violence scholar. I just want people to know that 
I'm not against guns. I come from a family of responsible gun, gun owners. I even owned a gun for a short time. And I've also had a girlfriend in high school who killed herself with a gun. Friends who've experienced an intentional injury with a gun. My work is really about solving important social problems and really taking the data into account to understand who is most affected by it and what are the social conditions that could be ameliorated to help solve the problems. A few weeks ago, on a Monday, Boulder was shocked by a shooting at a local King Super supermarket that resulted in the death of 10 members of our community, including a police officer. Last Monday, at an event organized by a group called Moms and Students Demand Action, I caught up with Sam Weaver, mayor of Boulder. So we are currently outside the municipal building in the city of Boulder. This is where the city council meets. And we're meeting with um, Students Demand Action and Moms Demand Action. Um, there's a traveling uh, mural for better background checks for gun violence prevention. And because of the tragic events of March 22nd here in Boulder, in which 10 local citizens were killed, um, we want to do everything that we can as a city to support the call for better gun regulations. What does it mean to have um, you know, better background checks? If you can explain to our listeners, what will this bill do to make it different? Well, better background checks would be one way that the person who acquired the weapon that killed all the people at the King Supers in Boulder could have prevented that. So the bill that that is behind the mural here is one in which we have better um, background checks as far as um, private sales, as well as sales from federally licensed firearm dealers, and to have more prohibitors, which are conditions under which sales are not made, which would include things like a history of violent misdemeanors, which the suspect in the King Super shooting had a violent misdemeanor conviction in the past, and we would love to have that be something that slowed down or prevented the sale of weapons to people who have a history of violence. What other bills would you consider or regulations would you consider necessary at this moment in time that we're that we're living and you know to support the causes of these young students well i think an assault style weapons ban which was in place in the united states for 10 years would be something that we should bring back at the federal level if not the federal level at least the state level so that's one thing is assault weapons ban uh, another thing would be better regulation of ghost guns so those are guns which are partially um, supplied to people who finish them up by doing 3d printing of components that go into those guns so those guns don't have any serial numbers or ways to track them um, those are two um, ways that we could better protect people assault weapons ban and ghost gun regulation. What's at stake if we don't do anything about it? What do you see that is super urgent? Well, there's 40,000 gun deaths a year in 
the United States. And we should be preventing every one of those that we can. So better background checks is one way to do that. Anybody, uh, so 60% of that 40,000, 25,000 people a year are suicides by gun. And so anything that we can do for having something like a waiting period so that people who are suicidal, who want to go buy a weapon to kill themselves with, have time to think about that decision. So in addition to background checks and assault weapon um, ban is a waiting period. So three to five days after which you could get a gun, but before which you'd have to wait after you did your application. That's super important, especially here in Boulder, where we have a number of suicides by young people that is super alarming. Yes, Colorado has one of the higher suicide rates in the country. Many of those are with guns. And so anything we can do to better educate people about what resources are available to them, if they're feeling depressed and suicidal, as well as restricting access to weapons. Thank you so much. Is there something else that you would like to add? Like I always ask to myself, why didn't I ask? What would you have loved for me to ask you? Well, I'd love to, you to have asked about what other countries are doing. So if we look at Australia, Australia had a famous shooting, Port Arthur shooting in Tasmania that killed about 35 people. After that, they got quite serious about assault-style weapons. Not only did they ban future sales, they did a very big buyback, and they got rid of millions of weapons that were in the hands of private citizens. Australia is a lot like the United States as far as the type of government they have and the temperament of the people, and I think we could do that here, assault-style weapons ban and a big buyback. Thank you. That was awesome. Okay, good. Uh, Ava Rayback. Right now, we're outside the municipal building in Boulder, Colorado, where we just got to meet with the mayor, take some pictures, and sign our mural for um, the road trip for background checks underneath the Students Demand and Moms Demand group. Why are you uniting with Moms Demand Action? Why uh, are you coming together for this urgent cause? Um, I'm Devin Romero, and I'm the president of Students Demand Action at CU Boulder. Um, we're reuniting with the moms groups, um, the various ones in Boulder, um, just to make a bigger impact. We're able to reach our group at CU, and they're also to reach more of the community. And so when we can join together, we just make a bigger impact. Coming back to you, I wanted to just you know acknowledge that you're super excited and that this is a big issue and that in, Dem in Denver people gather and now here in Boulder we're gathering again. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to pass with this gathering and with this signing of papers? Yeah, so right now we're doing the road trip for background checks, which is a nationwide effort to um, create legislation and up the legislation for universal background checks. So we're partnering with chapters all across the country in the Moms Demands group underneath the head of every town to basically create um, an undeniable demand for background checks that's going to be represented by murals in the middle of Congress. Why is this so urgent? Why do we need to do this right now, especially here in Boulder? Our main goal is to prevent future lives lost. And so the more we do now, the more we can save lives. There's a lot of talk about mass shooting, but also about suicide. Would you like to speak about that? Why is it important to pass this bill? that will, in a way, and how will it stop people from taking their lives? Well, I'm Miranda Shawan, and I think that the issue of gun violence is bigger than just the mass shootings. It is the suicide, as you mentioned, which is just as impactful and moral as well on a day-to-day -day basis. So this issue is affecting people on the daily, so that's something that we really need to keep in mind. And is it affecting young people especially? The numbers are showing here in Colorado, and especially in Boulder. 
Yeah, I know Colorado is one of the highest uh, rates for like um, suicide by by gun uh, in particular. So it's it's really just affecting the young, and the voices of the young are the most powerful. So in a way, it's hurting ourselves that we are the young are being the most impacted by this. Especially right now that we have uh, gone through a pandemic that keeps us separated and much more in a way fragile because we don't have each other to support to, to support ourselves when we are going through trouble or sadness. Do you have something to say about that? Because the numbers of suicide are so incredible and they are done by gun. Yeah, so I'm Hannah Sanders. I think that especially now it's important to consider common sense gun laws that can save a lot of lives, especially now with so many people just spending all their days at home safe storage of guns is common sense and it can save lives you know with everyone struggling with so many added stressors of the pandemic just having simple steps to protect children and young people who might be struggling through really hard times right now it's the least we can do to save lives what is urgent what is urgent right now i think um obviously with the tragedy of the king super shooting our community is reeling but we've talked about this on some other interviews what we've done but we think it's necessary to always remember those whose names we don't talk about every day those who die every single day you know 100 people die of gun violence every day and in colorado every 14 hours somebody passes away due to gun violence i think it's of utmost urgency to kind of reach this public health pandemic as well as the covid 19 pandemic to the forefront and really start focusing on those who, you know, we don't hear about. Um, I would definitely have to agree with Ava. Um, we definitely need to focus on not just the mass shootings, but of all shootings. Um, and I feel like the best, the most important message to get out there is just don't wait for it to happen to you. Taking action now can prevent your future life and from being lost as well as others. Um, so just don't wait. What you are doing right now, it's part of a bigger thing because I know that it, it's going to culminate in Washington, D.C., huh? What's urgent? Um, for me, I think the most, uh, the moral of the story here is that there's no one specific solution. There's no one measure that's one particular like way to prevent everything. It's a culmination of building the community, which is what we're focusing on here because we are college kids and we're not, we're not senators, we're not legislators, so we can't do that. But our getting our message to them is the most important thing. It's the balance of creating that that bigger picture that sense of community to make change happen what comes to my mind when i am listening to you is as young people have been fighting for uh, climate change and for really bring awareness to what's happening to our earth but also i'm hearing from you a call to action against gun violence yeah i think the most important thing is to listen to the young people because we are the rising ones we're going to become the next president senators etc um, we have the ability to make change because we are some of the most motivated people that i know we're out here hosting rallies organizing events we're meeting with the mayor we're we're getting things done um, so i i would look to the voices of the younger people who are often underestimated finally what's at stake what is urgent and then if you know about bills that you can name a few of them, that would be awesome. Sure. What I think is most urgent is spreading awareness and understanding that this is 
preventable. Gun violence is preventable and there are certain steps that we can take. Uh, for example, the background check bill in, that is going to reach the Senate floor can save lives by allowing a process to allow those who should get access to guns, access to guns, and those who shouldn't um, can be prevented from that to save lives. And, you know, there's other bills that are in the works in the larger national movement, such as closing the Charleston loophole, things like that. But it really is a preventable thing, and there's simple steps. And I think especially in the context of the pandemic, it's important to understand that this is a public health issue. This is um, an issue, uh, unfortunately, about race. Unfortunately, African Americans are 10 times more likely to experience gun violence. So it's bigger than mass shootings, and we are devastated by um, the loss of lives in our community, but we want to fight for the bigger picture and those who we don't talk about every day. We have heard about some of the research underway to identify root causes of gun violence. On the other hand, we have talked about some of the legislation that is being considered to help slow down this epidemic of gun violence. But ultimately, it all comes down to people and their communities and how we are dealing with the effect of what happened here just three short weeks ago. I attended a vigil for the victims two days after the King Super shooting. Hundreds of people gathered in front of the Boulder County Courthouse for a vigil to honor the 10 lives lost on Monday during the mass shooting. People light candles as they listen to live music performances. How's it going guys? I'd just like to take a second to say, uh, my heart is deeply broken. Um, this is pretty much, King Supers was my normal store and uh, some of those faces were very familiar to me. And uh, that's why I felt like I had to come out here today and uh, kind of give back with what I could. So, uh, this is a song that I felt was appropriate for the, for the time. And they say that every distance is not near. Yet I can still see everything. Community members were asked to share thoughts and feelings. One such community member with Boulder Valley Mutual Aid was Marcus Bright, a young black person who spoke about coming back home to Boulder after spending just last Saturday night in Denver at another vigil for another group of relatives struggling with the pain and lost fear and trauma of violence. So, my name is Marcus Bright. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. I'm an organizer for Boulder Valley Mutual Aid. We're a, uh, a horizontalist group of neighbors seeking to just make life in this country more bearable for our neighbors, our friends, our families, our, indi our indigenous relatives. And that is essentially the position that I come from within this community. Um, we primarily have been working with our unhoused neighbors and various other just groups within the city to try to alleviate suffering where we can, to provide that neighborly sort of community that mutual aid entails. And it's just, it's a lot to be in radical space, in holding space for others, in having to hold space for ourselves, and to have to come back home to Boulder after spending Saturday night at another vigil 
for another group of relatives struggling with the pain and loss and fear and trauma of violence. It's just heartbreaking. People were asked here in this vigil in Boulder to speak up and you were the first one. I want to honor that you were brave and I want you to tell me what moves you to continue this work that is not easy. You know, growing up in the United States, being of the age that I am and the context that I am, we understand that the the failures of our parents and our grandparents are things that we have to account for and we have to work towards fixing because we are the last ones who can. And that is what moves me, that is what drives me, and that is what makes me wake up every day and do the things that I do because it is just us, it's up to us to be able to provide for and support and be the shoulders to cry on and to grieve with our neighbors and our friends. What is the message that you, as a young person, do you see a solution for this? Is there something that we must do as a community? People are talking about gun control. People are talking about more mental health. Where can we see the light? I think focusing the conversation first on policy and last on community is a mistake. I think that if we want a community solution, it requires everybody actually being out in their community, everybody knowing their neighbors, everybody understanding their needs, and then being able to help. Um, I, I read about the shooter and I saw that they had been dealing with mental health issues for a very long time. And I, I think about the fact that they did not have a community to rely on to help them not do that. And I think about the fact that it has impacted the rest of the community because of that. I can't give a solution because no solution can come from any one person. It comes from the community and it comes from having those long, hard conversations. Wright shared his personal worries about the issue that every confrontation with violence will be used as an excuse to increase policing. My worries with every shooting and every confrontation with violence is that we will use it as an excuse to increase policing and not to ask people what they need, what can help them, what is actually affecting them and we will simply think that adding more cops will somehow stop more shooters and he walked in before there were cops there the cops did not they weren't there to stop it and i don't think that policing will prevent that from happening i think what is important is being able to create a context in the community and a society where it can't happen as our bolder and greater Colorado community continues to mourn our losses from the latest mass shooting, and as we recover from multiple shocks from Columbine to Aurora to now Boulder, we must take the time to come together as one community and have those long, hard conversations that Marcus Bright mentions. As we face our pain and fear, we must also face our future with resolve and vision to make sure this moment is not wasted and forgotten and can lead to real change. For KGNU, I am Rosanna Longo. 
The Trends podcast series is made possible with support from the KGNU listener member and the Community Foundation of Boulder County.